Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. I'm your temporary host at 4020, Hamish still on holidays. Joining me to break down the final action in the NRL and New South Wales Cup, as well as look at what's happening in the flag and the NRLW, are my good mates, Birdie. Hey, how's it going? And Ham. We're back, baby. We never went away. Uh, but yeah, still, even with the NRL and New South Wales Cup shutting down this week, boys, plenty to talk about. So let's jump into the week that was. We'll start with the NRL. Uh, where the Parramatta Reels, with seemingly nothing to play for, produced one of their best performances of the season, as you'd imagine. Go Parramatta, just Parramatta things. Uh, with a 32-18 to 18 upset of the Penrith Panthers. Uh, Penrith Panthers did rest a couple of players here in Dylan Edwards and Sunua, uh, Sunia Taruva, uh, but the Parramatta Reels with no Mitchell Moses and then also a banged-up Clinton Gufferson putting uh, not quite the cleaners, but uh, maybe the scoreline favoured the Panthers just a little bit in this one, uh, with Mike Acevo bagging a triple, uh, we saw vintage Micah Seville on this one. This was 2019 Micah. Uh, with Quentin Gufferson getting a double and... Uh, sorry, Micah Seville getting a double hattie, a four-bagger uh, four, uh, four bagger there. And Seville uh, getting the two tries. Seville. Guffo getting the two tries. They got there. Uh, Guffo going three from six off the tee, but all his misses were very narrow uh, to the adjacent to the posts. For the Panthers, uh, Peachy, Cleary, Martin, and Tom Jenkins, the try scorers. Uh, maybe Tom Nathan Cleary's worst goal-kicking night in his career. He was just one from four. Uh, Guffo got a penalty goal as well to help tack on. In terms of the team stats here, boys, we'll run through very quickly, but Eels actually minus 8% in possession. Penrith had 54% of the ball, so they had uh, all the uh, advantages there with uh, about five minutes of time possession plus. Uh, both teams completing effectively. 83% for the Panthers, 78% for the uh, Parramatta Eels. The uh, Panthers had more runs and run meters, but the Eels had more line breaks, tackle breaks uh, ahead for the Panthers, but not egregiously so. And then going down to effective tackle rate, uh, both teams below 85%. So probably you know subpar in that regard. But the Eels asked lots of questions with the Panthers in terms of their second phase football and their uh, sort of simultaneously their structured football. Really good stuff. Uh, and then yeah, individual player stuff. There's some uh, big days there from a few players. Uh, Guffo and Sivo leading the way there. Four tries and two obviously, but 135 meters for Guffo, 140 for Sivo. Uh, junior for big day. And then it was a slew of forwards having really solid days. Um, deal bags across multiple positions doing quite well. Uh, but then you had uh, in those forwards, Maddo minus the uh, botch try. Cartwright, Hopgood, and uh, Joe Ofengahi, as well as Widder McGregor, either over 100 metres or close enough to be counted, having very, very solid games. Boys, what were your takeaways from this one with the Eels? At the time, actually keeping their season alive, but needing a, a gauntlet of things to go their way, which almost immediately broke down in the same round. Um, I think I think we we're efficient. Like you look at the, um, those backline moves, the tries, that, the four tries that Sevo scored, um, it was just very efficient. Like um, there was no backline moves or plays where we stuttered or we looked um, jaded in defense. Oh, sorry, in attack, <clears throat> which was kind of weird because um, you take Moses out, and I feel as though I feel, look, I'm not hating on the bloke Arcee, but I feel as though his hesitation sort of like puts hesitation around others, and then that sort of like stunts our attack. But I feel as though he was quick, decisive. Um, and just knew what he was doing, just kept it simple. And, and it looked like a team was playing with no pressure on them. Even though we like we still mathematically can make the finals, it had no pressure. And I said um, in the pre, uh, last week's podcast, you know, this is a game where Dylan Brand needs to, you know, show that he belongs out there, not to be outdated or outrated or whatever. But I feel as though, feel as though he was the best um, spine player in the game. So, yeah, we're just very efficient and... Um, I know we I know we had forty eight missed tackles. You know, 
It's still a lot, but still, it didn't look that bad. Now, I'd like to know how many of them were there when Guffo went out because literally, you know, Dylan Brown was playing fullback. You know, everyone was out of position then. Yeah, Dill had, yeah. a, I think, might have been a season high. Was it five missed tackles? Six missed tackles. And I dare say some of that was due to the fact he was being bounced around, covering holes left, right and centre. Uh, but, yeah, Dylan had to stand tall, Bertie, and I think he did, like you, you were sort of talking about. He set up the opening trial for a sensational bit of movement and then a ridiculous flick pass back to Micah. Uh, he looked really sharp throughout the game, was asking lots of questions of the Penrith defensive line. And uh, while they had lots of answers, they couldn't shut him out uh, throughout the course of the game. And he was definitely one of the deciding factors in why the Eels got up in that 14-point victory. Ham, what caught your eye in this one? I just want to touch on that, uh, the uh, missed tackles. I, in that first half, when the game was essentially won, I think you know we would have been under 20 missed tackles easily. Um, so I, th- I reckon a lot of those missed tackles would have come right at the end when Penrith scored those uh, two tries when it when it was garbage time, really. Mm-hmm. It meant nothing. That's when I reckon a lot of those missed tackles would have come about. Uh, that's probably a little bit disappointing. We didn't compete for the 80 minutes, which we've done fairly regularly this year. But I suppose maybe last game of the season, you're up by 32 to, what was it, 32 to 12 against the best team in the competition, you you know, you might be able to relax a little bit there. Um, yeah, just, I, I think I said in the pod last week, it would be a very Parramatta performance if we won. Like, it would be a very Parramatta thing to do. And we saw from pretty much the opening kickoff, like, uh, Cardi ran the ball up hard, and then even in defence, uh, offhand Gowie was ruthless, uh, Widemu Greg was just pure aggression, both of them. I think, you know, maybe that's maybe that's the go. Maybe that's a little tip, a nod to next year where uh, we have, you know, I, I'd like Hopgood to be an 80-minute player, but maybe bring him on after 20 minutes, him and Bolo. Mm-hmm. You know, you really bring the big boys on, on play 50, 60 minutes there. Um, yeah, like Birdie said, I think Dylan Brown was the best spine player uh, on the day, I think even when Moses is back, we need the we need to bottle these past two weeks from Dylan and show him this is what you're capable of. You know you're capable of this because you're doing it. You're running the ball fast. Your heart, like when you run the ball as fast and hard as Dylan, you've got to well. Firstly, you got to make sure that your teammates are up with you. But secondly, you're going to be creating. Uh, you're going to make the defense make decisions. And when you make the defense has to make a decision quickly and you're taking time away from them making that decision, nine times out of ten, they're going to make the wrong decision. And then Dylan's fast enough that he can step through or he's strong enough that he's going to break a tackle and he's smart between, he's quick between the ears where he can get the pass away. So Dylan really needs to, you know, really take uh, advice from himself, I suppose, from this game where... He knows what he can do. He needs to go into pre-season next year. He's going to be, you know, leading the fitness drills. He needs to lead by example. Hopefully this has done something for him. You know, because he wasn't not a bad player. wasn't poor. But when you see what he's been able to do these past two weeks, it shows he's capable of that next level, which, you know, if we're not going to be bringing anyone in externally, you need those internal uh, development skills to be lifted so 
if he can lift there, that's that that'll be huge positive going into next year. And it felt like there were a few frank conversations being held uh, with certain players during the week. Like I said, Mike Acevedo was back to his 2019 form. Um, that didn't you know get missed by anyone watching the game. Uh, he was you know explosive, really aggressive, but controlled aggressive in defense. Um, so it looks like he made big steps forwards there, but we have to wait and see whether it is a one-off or if he is back to a you know actual runner form. He showed passion out there, like you know he, he I know he um he smashed that debutant on debut um so the debutant McLean, but even the dropout where he literally took out Crichton, like he was getting up, he was pumped, like he was you know getting these teammates excited. Like I haven't seen Sivo show emotion at all, like in. In his whole career, really, you know, like even when the the, the crowd's ch- chanting his name, he has that, you know, sort of like humble look on his face, like he nothing phases him. But for some reason, either someone gave him a rocket or something, but he showed some passion out there. Yep, uh, I think that's a fair way of putting it, Birdie. Um, we did see a swap of props before kickoff. Junior Barlow going back to the interchange with Witter McGregor coming in. Ham, you sort of went into that a little bit there, talking about uh, Junior and uh, Hopgood coming in as a tandem. Do we like what we saw there? Do we think that's sort of a, a indication towards next year, maybe, or is that just a you know tinkering with the formula in the last game of the season sort of deal? Um, I you know I still think Junior's starting quality, but I think what we need to do is split up Reg and Junior. I I think we lose too much impact we have for the past couple of seasons now when those two are on, and they come off at the same time or roughly similar times. Uh, we just we just lose too much. So if you can alternate their minutes or have one come on a bit later, you know you, you're going to be keeping those intensity levels high. And you know uh, I, I think Junior's suffered a little bit from playing the past two seasons a lot of football. Uh, so that's probably why his numbers are down a little bit. So I, I don't think it's a form thing. I think it might be a, we'll split up Reg and Junior, mm-hmm. see how that works out, and. Look, it, it worked wonders. Yeah, it's hard to disagree. I, I wouldn't mind. Um, I don't mind if they split up. As you said, you know, he's played a lot of lot of time, forty, um, a lot of games this year in the past two years. But I feel as though if they started with Joe instead and had probably Hopgood on the be- Hopgood starting at lock, um, that's more a defensive uh, unit out there. So we could defend for the first twenty minutes, like because you know coming up against Penrith, they dominate possession. So I reckon. Um, Having if you brought on same time Junior and Woody, oh, it, it, you know, especially after twenty minutes, like the, the the defense line will be very tight, and you know it's hard enough to contain Junior. Can you imagine having Woody off the next playable? So, you know, maybe going forward, I wouldn't mind having Joe starting, or even if you have at least as you said, don't have Reg and Junior start. But I feel as though Hopgood needs to be on the bed, uh, bin thirteen, and maybe Joe starts. So yeah. Uh, and yeah, for a moment, the uh, sort of door on the finals was opened again, uh, but the Eels had that quickly squashed during the rest of the round, which I think is a good thing. Um, I know we maybe get Mitchell Moses back for the finals, but not having to go through into this coming round with just a fraction of hope sort of weighing you down, uh, probably probably a good thing for our mental state, boys. Yeah, well, even going into the game, I thought, you know, I know a win will mathematically but when you start talking mathematically you're not being realistic so you just got to be realistic in, in these you know going into the game 
Yep. Look, I don't think I don't, even in the the most biased fan would say I don't think we deserved it this year because you look at the, those close games um, where we lost. Like I'm not don't worry about the flockings. I'm talking about the the Roosters lost in the first time we versed them. You know the Raiders, the Titans. You know, like we don't deserve because we played very bad football and negative football. So, you know, this um, if we had made the finals, everyone it's sort of like people over crack sort of thing. Like I feel as though you know Brad Arthur said in the press conference they're going to be hurting from this. They're going to realize you can't switch off for one game. It's a long season. But you have to play your best each week, and every point counts. So it's just another lesson learned, you know. Some well, teams get to eat more, and you know you get that shit out of it. And that's the thing, Bertie. You know, you say you switch off. Well, it's not just round one; it happens before round one that you switch off. Right? You know, there was the World Cup there, but pre-season training, you, you come off a grand final loss. I remember Bernie Gers said in one of the podcasts on uh, on the tip sheet there, where he said. A lot of the time is that teams make the grand final, don't win, and they think it'll just happen naturally. So the preseason isn't as hard, isn't as strong. They don't put that extra ten percent effort in preseason training. And you know, I'm not saying this has happened, but it's definitely a possibility that that's happened with this team. They just thought we'll, we'll be able to get back into it. Our, you know, we've got a good, we've got a good system. We've made the finals now four out of the past five uh, seasons. So, you know, it's just going to happen. And as we saw this year, some things don't go your way. You make some poor poor decisions, whether it be uh, a defensive structure, attacking structure, uh, recruits, retentions. You make a few seemingly small changes and it just, it just uh, avalanches and builds up, builds up. Anything else you want to talk about in this game, boys, before we sign off? Uh, McLean should have been sent off, and it's a joke mm. that he's only got a fine. Yeah, well, we, uh, 60s myself, discussed this in our post match podcast. And yeah, I don't, I, I understand that when it's a professional foul, the sort of the leverage between the two decisions is it's a sim bin or it's a penalty try. It can't be both. Uh, but this wasn't a professional foul, this was foul play. And he, you know, it could have been an eight point try or potential eight point try and a sim bin or a send off here. And I don't know how I got that one wrong. And the thing is, you know, a potential eight-point try doesn't help Parramatta because we missed the goal, so it's only six points. Mm. See, so, yeah, to me, like, he he didn't just hit him high. He sw- he loads up, swings swings back, and then swings for the absolute fences. Yep. He should have been sent off. And then also, after that, he became a little grub, rubbing his uh, all the facials, all the hands on the neck, rubbing his head into other players' heads. If that was any other player on any other team other than Penrith, the commentators would be calling out and he would have been penalised to, you know, he would have been penalised out of the game. But because it's Penrith, they got away with it. I mean, I don't think it's down, it's down to luck that they have only had one suspension this year. I feel as though, you know, they got the Nelson, the Sofa Solomona treatment, you know, like they're getting away with a lot. Like even the week before, um, Fisher Harris gets away for a hip drop. Yeah, well, You can't tell me... A side that's so aggressive in attack and defense. They have the likes of Fish, Leota, uh, Lenu, Martin, all these players. Luai, for God's sake. You can't tell me they are so clean on the field that they, there's only one week between them all. They are a grubby of a team. And I don't get it. Like, And then you look at us and, like, you know, <laughs> we lose two players to four plus weeks in the one game, you know, to stupid mistakes, which they deserve. But they just get, a, they just get away with a lot, you know? And, and and I reckon it goes back down to when Taylor May got only 
two weeks. He got two weeks, and he got to serve it next year as opposed to the finals. I think they get looked after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what the fans 100%. want. That's what the fans want. All right, boys, let's close the books on that one. Uh, let's move on to a successful team, Miss uh, Round Past, and getting their breakthrough win on the season. Where our girls in the NRLW having a home game away from home over at uh, you know the Parramatta surrounds of Nostrata Jubilee Stadium in Cogra. Uh, they won over the, the North Queensland Cowboys. And it does feel weird to call them Cowboys when it's a, an all-ladies team, uh, but they won over the Cowboys 16-12. Mahalia Murphy opening the scoring of Kimberly Hunt and bagging a double. Uh, for the Cowboys, it was Libby Serha and Tiana Rafstrand-Smith scoring in a back-to-back little flurry there, 59th and 61st minutes respectively. Rachel Pearson went one from three, but the one she did get, she smashed from the sideline. Couple of really nice tries for our captain as well. Uh, she also tacked on a penalty goal. Boys, this has been building for a few weeks. Uh, the, ever since that game against Newcastle, I thought they were much more competitive, uh, even with the scoreline not necessarily reflecting that because of the uh, send-off for Kennedy Charrington. But since then, they've taken on the Broncos and the Raiders, two of the form teams of the competition now, and really pushed them. Yeah, this one has been building, and that was a very deserved victory. Yeah, I just, I, I like, you know, what, what a difference uh, bringing in an elite halfback did for this club, uh, for this team, I should say. They're getting to the end of sets. They're working to positions on the field. Uh, you know, if, if Pearson was there from round one, I'd say we're, this wouldn't be the first win of the season. I'd say we'd probably win two or even three games. Um, yeah, that's... Just pretty much the difference between what, how we started and where we are now. And I suppose another one you could say is Cassie Toyiku, absolute superstar, uh, 20, 21 years old, I think Cassie is. Yeah, she's still very, very young and looking, like you said, Ham, like a superstar of the code more and more. She absolutely reaped the soul of the uh, Canberra fullback in this game, friend, oh, Canberra, Cowboys fullback Francesca Goldfork with just an absolutely sensational read and tackle. Uh, had an almost Gidley-esque flick pass to Hunt uh, uh, down the right short side and then also kicked the drop kick casual 65 metres on top of, you know, yeah. 150 metres <laughs> on the ground. You know, she's just doing it all. But uh, she's not... Yeah, sorry, so she's 20 this year. 20. <laughs> uh, she's born 2003. And she's not doing it by herself. Um, you know, there's been a, a sort of cadre of consistent performers Uh got Abby Church. Zoe Fails will be quiet in this game, but uh, alongside her, obviously Rachel Pearson, Ruben Charrington, Tyler Amiatu, Mahalia Murphy. I thought Jade Fennell was pretty good in her return game from a broken hand. Uh, and then got a couple of new faces that came to this game, boys. Lindsay Tui and uh, uh, on the interchange, they've got it down as uh, Noraria Kapua, but I believe they call her Boss Kapua. Uh, both debuting for the Eels in this game and both having very, very strong games. Yeah, well, I said in the pod last week, I think, uh, oh, you know, not to put, you know, put down a player, but I just think Lindsay Tui, what we saw in Tashi Gale, she was hard running, hard defending, and she stepped right up to the NRLW. Like, and just, I wouldn't say transform the team, but 11 runs, 116 metres, so you're getting 10 runs, uh, 10 metres per run there. So she just went... Bang, as soon as she got on the field, she just wanted to be involved. Really good effort areas, really good, just a really good debut. So between her, I think she, Lindsay's only 18. She's got another year of uh, Tasha Gale to go, Lindsay. 
and uh, Cassie Toihiku, 20. Jeez, you know. I don't know what you can sign contracts to in the NRLW. But Get them locked up. I, Get them locked I, up now. Tyler and the R2. Yeah. yeah. All of them, get them walked up. Because, I mean, Tyler and Ruben, uh, well, Tyler went 140 metres at, I think it was uh, 14 metres per run. Uh, so incredible, you know, not just production but efficiency. Ruben Charrington was a tick under 14 metres on the ground as well. So absolutely massive, massive production across the park. And with Rachel Pearson there sort of starting to bring it all together, you can really see the core of his team taking shape. It's a damn shame we're not going to see Elsie Albert and Kennedy playing together with this same team this year. It's going to be a case of wait for 2024. Uh, but if they can keep all these players, if they can build around these players, you've got a premiership contender. I'm, I'm pretty certain about that. Well, you know, I, I think if you add uh, Charrington and Elsie Albert into the starting pack, between them, Amiatu, Mahalia Murphy, even Jade Fanua, you're going to have some workhorses in there and you're going to, going to do some damage. Did you watch this one, buddy? Oh, I, I didn't watch it. I just watched the um, the highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, those two tries, those two kicks, you know, on the dot, like that's it was just those. She literally caught them, and I reckon even um, Hunt was even surprised that the ball even got to her. But um, as you guys were saying, um, you know, there's no point like this season. Okay, I think we knew after round one, like this is going to be a very tough season. We lost too many players. There's no point in us going through this. Re- it's a rebuilding stages at this moment, in my mm-hmm. opinion. We've, we're blooding a lot of these youngsters. They're, we're getting them game time. And there's no point doing that if we're just going to let them walk. We have to tie them down to, you know, multiple-year deals. Even if next year, just improve. I'm not expecting us to win it next year. Maybe you guys are, but, you know, <laughs> get these, you know, get them, to, you know, to be like, you know, the three or four years into the NRLW. Like, we, as you said, you know, there's a Tasha Gale team out there. Like, Rachel Pearson's like the veteran out there. And, you know, like, just you look at everyone, anyone in this team, they're just so young and inexperienced and... and that could be a product of the NRLW expanding too much where everyone literally leaves. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't, they haven't done anything wrong. I haven't seen a player, you know, play a bad game. I've only, you know, watched about, you know, three of their games or whatever it is. I haven't watched every single minute, but I haven't seen a bad, I haven't seen, I've seen more first graders play, plays quit than the NRLW. I feel as though they're trying their best. They're just inexperienced. They're undersized and they're just coming up against um, a better opposition. And I, and I believe they can get better in the next couple of years. But as I said, there's no point going through all this pain if it's nothing, if we're not going to re- retain them. And a quick shout-out to Kimberly Hunt, who had her struggles under the high ball early in this game, but bounced back to score those two tries off the Rachel Pearson boot. And, yeah, well done to all our girls. And I think the scoreline probably flattered the Cowboys a little bit of that late flurry. He was well and truly in control throughout the majority of this game, it felt like. And uh, maybe could have scored a few more points as well. All right, let's keep the show moving, boys. We'll go to the New South Wales Cup now. Uh, we had one of the more bizarre results of the season, Ham. Um, we were out there, out at uh, Blue Bet Stadium, or as you call it. Oh, methamphetamine stadium. Mm-hmm. I said you can use it, man. Mm-hmm. You can use it. It's all right. <laughs> and uh, uh, where the Parramatta Eels, who were down at one point, 20 to 4, stormed all the way back. 24? It was, yeah, you're right. It was 24 4. Yeah, it was. Lockie Blackburn, the first scorer in the second half of the Eels at 58th minute after Jack Cole scored in 50 seconds. So down 24-4. Game all but lost after 52 minutes played. End up winning 34-24. Go figure. Um, but yeah, for the Panthers, Samuel Lane, Isaiah Longy, a double for Dagan, Amatawanai, and Jack Cole. Uh, also Cole going two from five of the tee. For the Eels, Zach Seedy opened the scoring in the 26th minute. 
Lockie Blackburn, Brendan Hands, Arthur Mel Stephen, another Seni try, and a Makahesi Makatoa game sealer. Wrapped it up. Rankin in his farewell match going five from six. Fair day at the office. Dan Keir got binned in the 39th minute, boys. So the Eels did this with all those different uh, things against them. Um, I saw the first half Hamba had to depart. So when I got home, I looked at the scoreboard. I was going, what did I just miss? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I watched the highlights, and I'm not really sure how they did it, given that they were also down a man for 10 minutes, but they did it. What were your takeaways on this one? Uh, well, I, I did note two things uh, changed between halves. In the first half, uh, you were doing your live blog on TCT. And then uh, I, was also, I was also deep in conversation with 60s about professional wrestling. So, um, and then you left. So that meant 60s had to do the live blog. So that meant I was 100% focused on the game. So I think those good vibes, those good vibes of me watching them, they go, oh, well, we better turn it on now that Hamish is watching. So uh, I, I, <laughs> I'd like to think that was a, a, a handy help. Um I honestly cannot tell you what, what the difference was. I don't think no one really, they all just sort of seem to stand up as a team. Um, Artie Stephen, Artie Miller Stephen had another cracker of a game, set up a try or two, I believe. Um, just quick, busted the line like it was nothing. Um, there was one there where, where it was his try, actually, I'm pretty sure. Maybe it was... Uh, Maybe it was Brendan Hand's one. I can't remember. But he broke through the line with ease. Just got on the outside of his center. Mm-hmm. He had Hayes Dunster on his outside open. And then he thought, oh, maybe Hayes is a bit, you know, <laughs> Hayes, Hayes shouldn't be there. So I'll pass inside. Went to Momosia, who nearly bungled it up. I could, I, I could not believe it. He nearly bungled it up. And then luckily he was able to get, I think it was he got the offload to Hands there. So that was that try. I just thought, geez. And then... Uh, yeah, it was when Sini scored. I thought, oh, hang on a tick, we're on here. We've we've got this. And then Makatoa scored, and just <laughs> that was it. I, 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 speechless, speechless performance. <laughs> Pretty good way to put it. Um, I was certainly. Well, like, I wasn't. I wasn't quite speechless when I saw the result, but I did say three words. I was, you know, what the. Uh, flying... <laughs> What the flying saucer right there, uh, which is four. There you go. There's a, there's a hyphen in there. Um, but, yeah, fantastic result for the Eels. Doesn't put them into the finals uh, hunt uh, with a round to go. Wait, no, no round to go. The cup finishes this week. Yeah. And uh, it does finish the season on a very high note. And, it, and in terms of playing spoilers, I believe it kept the Panthers out of the finals. So there's a little bit of a silver line there. Sends off Jordan Rankin as a winner into a new role as a Jersey flag coach at the club, which we'll talk about shortly. And, yeah, I mean – I've got to give the cup credit, excuse me. Uh, they really flatlined throughout the midpoint of the season. Looked like they were going to compete with the Roosters for the wooden spoon. And since then, they've actually, you know, found a bit of a gear. Uh, injection of young talent has certainly helped. Uh, and they finished the season in ninth place and outside of the top five by, what, two wins? So not not terrible. Uh, uh, two wins yeah, and a draw. Losses. Yeah. It's three losses. Three losses, so yeah. Uh they uh, managed to turn it around, and maybe with the whole crop of our SG born flag talent coming through, we can really revigorate this system and this pathway uh, in 2024 and beyond. Speaking of reinvigorating the pathways, boys, the first uh, result of that double header out at Blue Bet or MEF Amphetamine Stadium 
is uh, <laughs> yes. the Jersey Fleg, where the Parramatta Reels came into this round needing to win, and also with the game that was played simultaneously with the 12.30pm kickoff down in Melbourne, relying on the Canberra Raiders to get the upset against the Melbourne Storm. Coming into the halftime, it was down by two points, I believe, Ham, 14-12, to 12, I think it was. Uh, Canberra up 16-0. It looked like all the cards were going to fall the right and wrong ways in the wrong and right ways, uh, with the Eels losing and the Raiders winning. But we get into the second half, Eels just storm out of the sheds and absolutely run them off the park. Win 26-14. Tries to Ethan Martin, Ethan Sanders, who got a double. Will Latu, and sorry, Ethan Mung got a double as well. Sanders three from five. Great team effort, played wonderful football. Uh, looking at the scoreboard in the other game, suddenly it was 16 all with 10 minutes to yeah. go. Uh, where a win or a draw are as bad as the other for the Eels in that game, uh, for the Melbourne Storm. So they needed only a loss to Melbourne or a win to Canberra, rather. And we get the final update, and the New South Wales Rugby League app updates the Melbourne Storm as scoring a try 20 to 16 in the 68th minute. Fleg games only go for 70. Hand in heads, oh my God, it's over. They, they did so well, got so far, fell at the last hurdle. Wait, no, it was a scorer's error. Raiders scored, 68th minute, win the game. Eels going to the finals where they play the Penrith Panthers again. It was it was an absolute roller coaster because I, I remember sitting there. We all had Match Centre open on our phones or laptops. And we're going, just come on, just update, just update, just update. And then I thought... Usually they update it when an interchange happens or a score happens. So it was just resting on, I think it was uh, 64 minutes from memory. It was resting on 64 minutes. Nothing had happened. So going, oh, it has to be game over by now. It's obviously a draw. That's it. You know, season done, unfortunately. Um, but it is what it is, you know. Some decisions earlier in the year, some games they dropped. And then it, you know, worse, worse news comes through that Storm score, and then all of a sudden, it changes, and then we hear the big cheer from the sideline. They'd obviously had a, a the match centre down there too, and a big uproar from the uh, sheds happened as well. So obviously, news had filtered through to the players that they were going to be playing uh, in the finals, which is just huge news. And I'm sure Penrith would have been dropping their heads, going, "We got to play these buggers again next week." Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, massive in terms of the game. Um, geez, I love this Ethan Martin. I love the way he's he plays. Just electric, isn't he? Like every time he gets oh. the ball, you just like you're watching. There, there are some players who just you, your eyes are drawn to like magnets, uh, like because you just feel like they're capable of doing something of every touch. And Martin really profiles to that. It feels like as soon as he touches the ball, he's he's when you when you see bouncy players, especially at that age, they're light they don't like contact they're you know they play a little bit soft when you see jumpy players like him but he is just he's another beast he's he's he doesn't look strong but he must be hard to tackle must be that he's got a good mixture of size speed agility strength um that he's just so hard to tackle it looks like every time he returns the ball he's going to bust through and his first try, I'm sure I haven't looked at the highlights yet, but watching the game, as soon as he got the ball 10, 15 metres out, he put his head down and he was going to score. It didn't matter who was in front of him. He was going to bowl him over or step around him or something. Mm-hmm. But he's just, he's, I don't know if he's 20 or 21. You have to get some clarification on that one because obviously it makes a big difference into what he's eligible for. But you'd imagine 
regardless of that age, he's probably playing cup next year. He's, we've, we've got to get him on some, even a train and trial. Mm-hmm. We've, got to, we've got to get him. We've, we've got to get most of this team signed back up. You know, a lot of them have come up from SG Ball. They've invigorated this Jersey flag team. They've won seven of the past eight, I believe. Uh, yeah, they, you know, they, on, they enter the finals the... scorching hot. Like, they can do some real damage here. They, I mean, they've got the, the cattle to win it all, but that's a big task in terms of, you know, winning all the games ahead. But they, they come in sizzling, and they've got plenty of great players from the game on the weekend, Ham. I thought Arpels rocks at the back. I thought Sam Lewis, who had a great game down the left edge. Um, Martin, obviously fantastic. Uh, Brock Parker was immense in the front row alongside mm. Tony Matelli. They dominated the Penrith medals. Those two were just so oh, good. Um, Brock Parker, like, he's not big, but he's intelligent for a prop forward. Mm. Like, he just is very good at wrestling. He's good at getting his limbs all tucked in there and around the ball that it doesn't look like he's slowing the ball down, but he really slows that ruck down and gets it, you know, especially in Jersey flag, a set defensive line is absolutely massive. And then off the back of that, you've got Tony Martelli, who just charges into the defence. And if Brock Parker is the intelligent one, I'm not saying Tony's dumb. <laughs> but he's, but, he's the hammer, isn't he? He, just, he comes yeah. in with all the physicality. And again, that's not like Brock's lacking for physicality. But uh, Tony, to his credit, got dropped back to the flag this year after playing on the edge and cup for about half the season. And has really embraced that transition, the prop. You know, he's owned it. And that's what you want to see. Uh, and I think he's he's been surrounded by a good forward pack to play that smash mouth style. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You got Brock Parker there. Uh, Max Tupo plays it. Nick Lenars plays it. Saxon Pryke. Um, Captain Jock Brazzle. But they just typify. They're not, they're not the biggest guys. They're not the strongest guys. They're not the fastest. But they've just got this tough nut attitude. Mm-hmm. And so I think popping it, putting him around those sort of players where he does, you know, he, he's done the tough stuff to his credit, but he doesn't have to necessarily do it. So it's the fact that he's picked up on that attitude and has gone out there and brought that toughness to his game in the middle is, is a huge plus. Yep. And that brings an end to the uh, review of the round that was, boys. Let's move on to the news. Not much doing in Paradise, but we do have a couple of bits. Uh, club farewells Jack Murchie, uh, who will join Huddersfield, I believe, Ham and Birdie, on a three-year deal. Uh, Murchie still had one year to run his Parramatta deal, so obviously negotiated and out there, freeing up a roster spot for the Parramatta Reels. Can't imagine it was on too much, so it's not like we're going to be able to go out and sign a superstar. But a bit of roster cleaning for the Parramatta Reels, and for Murchie, probably uh, an end to an unhappy move to the Eels. Yeah, look, I, I've been to Huddersfield, uh, mainly to see the George Hotel where Rugby League was was uh, thought about and began. It's a very depressing town. Um, the only good thing was a Weatherspoons, which people from, you know, that have been to the UK will know is a, a chain of pubs. Uh, that was open at 9 o'clock in the morning and that was probably the least dreary thing about Huddersfield. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he lives in Leeds and makes the, uh, makes the drive down, you know, Good on Merch. I still think is there's something there with him. Uh, just wasn't the right fit for us. Yeah, look, there's no point. Um, you know, I I don't think it worked. You know, obviously, it didn't work out, and there's no point just keeping him for the sake of it. Like, if if if, if it benefits both of us, there's no there's nothing wrong with it. Just admitting, you know, it didn't work out. Best to move on. Um, exactly. You know, um, there's a, there's a few other players uh, that we should be having this conversation with. Um, you know, I did say. 
couple of se- a couple of weeks ago during one of those bad podcasts that I was raging. You know, this club needs to have some tough t- some tough conversation with certain players and say you're not good enough and yeah, you know, why not get a pay packet in England and um, you know, travel around Europe. I'm sure it's pretty lovely, you know. You drive an hour here, you go from Western Sydney to Sydney, yeah, not that good. Over in England, you might end up in France. You know, it's pretty good. I'm not a geography major or whatever, but I just assume, yeah. It's, I think Europe might be better than Australia this time of the year. <laughs> and then, uh, <clears throat> so Mochi gone, like I said, another roster spot opened up. We have to wait and see what the Eels do with that over the off-season. Could be more roster pruning to come as well. Um, we got a, a lot of young guys who want to be squeezing into that New South Wales Cup squad into the back end of the top 30. So we've got to figure out how we're going to do that. But let's move on to the other two bits of news, both involving our captain, Quinton Gufferson. Uh, first things first, the more serious of the two, he's been, oh, we saw him depart the field in what, like the 60th minute, it felt like, in that game against Penrith. And he was banging his knee. Oh, excuse me, trying not to sneeze. Yeah, it was like he was trying to bang it back in because he's dislocated. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it turned... That's it, tough. That's that, tough. That is tough, and he had played a, a cracking game despite the handicap um, against Penrith. Uh Turns out it was a meniscus issue, and I believe he's getting a, a full restoration of that rather than a meniscus trim, which is a more temporary measure which leads to more long-term issues. So good to see that he's going to focus on the long-term uh, sort of goal and long-term health there. I believe he should be out for about three months per what we saw from NRL Physio, which puts him in line for a return to training before Chrissy and to take part in the majority of the preseason, which is fantastic. And also gives him a chance to probably just rest up a bit too, which he probably needs. Much like Junior, the miles on the uh, odometer have been racked up in the last two seasons. Played a lot of football, a lot of high-level football. My thoughts? Okay. And the other thing is uh, uh, he's been nominated for, was it Sports Dad of the Year? Is that the correct? Yeah. Uh, so Eels put together, Daddy of the year. Uh, put together a lovely little collage of uh, pictures involving him and his family. Um, I noticed there was no Jerome Luai there. Real shame. Um, but he was also absent from the two father-son go-to-work days. So I was going to say he's got work to go to. So. <laughs> um, and yeah, and that puts a wrap on the Parramatta Reels news. There is some stuff happening in the NRL, but we'll we'll deal with that at another time. Mostly, you know, some drama at Souths and West being Wests. But let's head into the previews, boys. We've got a couple of games to quickly smash out before we sign off. Let's start with the Jersey flick, where the Parramatta Reels enter week one of the final series they will take on the Penrith Panthers. This one's been played out at North Sydney Oval. It's a neutral venue, obviously. Ain't nothing west about North Sydney. Then again, there was nothing west about Cogger Oval, so if the scheduling just said that they'll play at North Sydney and that's how it is, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, 11 o'clock kickoff here, boys. You can catch this one uh, Catch this one on New South Wales Rugby League TV, so uh, no reason not to be watching our boys take on the Panthers. Uh, again, 11 o'clock kickoff. Facebook will be your best avenue for the New South Wales Rugby League TV access. Uh, Eels have a couple of changes. In comes their captain, Jock Brazel. In comes the big hyphen, Jonte Jr. Beffen Mesa. I don't know how he qualifies for the finals, but well done, he does. Uh, it felt like he's played the entire season in Cup, barring maybe a handful of games. I in, think he's played 17. I was having a look before. 17 Cup games? Yeah. Okay, so that, they'll put him in line for, what, seven or eight flag games, assuming he hasn't missed any, depending on buys and whatnot. So maybe that is the, the like just over the qualifier. Huge for the team, though. Jonte is an absolute beast. In comes Richard, uh, Richard Penasini, who had the head knock sustained in uh, the very first moments of his New South Wales Cup debut. Uh, out, uh, Saxon Pryke, Tony Matelli, and Aras Number, which means the team looks like this. At fullback, it's Arpa Tweedle, Matty Komalafi, and Ethan Martin on the wings. Sam Loizu on the, I imagine, is still going to be the left hand, 
and Richie on the right, uh, which pushes Blaze Tongi to the interchange. In the halves, again unchanged, Joshua Lynn, Ethan Sanders, Brock Parker and Matty Arfa are two returning players in the front row of Jonte Jr. Beth and Mesa joining them. Uh, I believe that Tony got a suspension. He hasn't been dropped, so he's going to have to wear that one. Uh, Jock Brazel also back in. He'll captain the team on the left edge. Max Tupo on the right. Uh, Nick Lenars will be at lock forward. On the interchange, already mentioned him being there, but Blaze Talani will be the backline utility. Sam Torvaiti, Will Latu, and Noah Reed round out the big meaty boys or the big boppers there on the interchange. Charlie Geimer, wow. I mean, how how stacked is the team, Ham, that Charlie Geimer is missing out in this game? And Saxon yeah. Pryke, who I'm not sure if it's injury or suspension, uh, but if you were putting Saxon Pryke in that team, you've got Noah Reed or Will Latu missing out, and they're both very worthy of being in that squad. Yeah, look, it, it would have been a very tough week or tough decisions for Breno. Uh, do you go with Charlie Geimer, who's, you know, potential through the roof, played New South Wales Cup, or do you go with your Max Tupo, who's just been there every week? I don't think he's had a bad game. There's been games not as good as others, but he's always put in 100% there. Uh, Will Latu, like, past two weeks I've seen him, every time he touches the ball... He's making 10, 15 metres a carry. He's just never say die attitude. I don't, there's there's not a wrong decision. There's not a wrong decision to make this. So, but it's 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 a big call. So he's got to back it, Breno there. And then you look at that forward. Like we could talk about the back line, but I want to talk about this forward pack because forwards do go un, unrated for a long time and undeserved. From eight to thirteen alone, that's it's huge. These guys show no mercy. Uh, I'm going to go through all the... Uh, here comes the pain. Uh, uh, <laughs> shut your mouth style of football. Uh, so Penrith better be up for it because these boys are just going to be absolutely ruthless aggression. Uh, and then off the bench, last week I saw, you know, it, you don't see too many players take backward steps when they're tackling. The Penrith forwards were taking backward steps when Sam was running hard. So that's that's huge. He uh, is first year SG ball eligible, and he's damn near bigger than Junior Bowler. Like, yeah. and, and like, there's no bad weight in him. He is an absolute behemoth and really one to watch. I mean, we we obviously you know praise him for a long time at each level in the junior reps, but his potential is through the roof. He could be an absolute star as a, a prop forward in the NRL. Yeah, and then you got uh, Will Latu can play centre, second row, probably pop in the middle if you want him to. Noah Reed out and out prop, played a couple of games of Cup this year. And then you said Blaze Talangi, a backline utility. I'd like to take issue with that because cast your mind back to the first year we saw Blaze. He was coming off the bench for Parramatta, playing lock, and he was absolutely killing it. So I don't think he's just a backline utility. I think he's, you know, centre, halves, prop. Probably play hooker if you want him to play sec playing second row doesn't matter doesn't matter where he plays he'll be running hard charging hard making good defensive decisions and he's got that ball playing ability so I'll take issue over. Uh, <laughs> well, well, could you um could you have him take uh, Louise's spot or has Louise deserved or does he you know I, I was just trying to think of like that back line who you could swap for Blaze Talonga could it be Louise like. Or it's a tough just... one. Because like, has, has, has he been this year, Sam? Sam, well, he's had his injuries. Yeah. And I think 
but so is Blaze. So it's 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 a it's a tough one. But if you um, do that, then then Gaima can go on the bench. That's what I was just trying to think. How do we get Gaima on the bench? Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. I just look. I whatever decision Beno makes, I think he's made the right one. (laughs) You know, that's you trust. You trust to make the call here. So yeah, yeah. You have to make a. You have to make a decision. Stick with it. As I said, I, there's not a bad decision that he can make. Whatever he goes with, these boys are talented. They're great attitude. They've got the form. As I said, one last seven of eight. They've taken some scouts in the past. They've got uh, the Roosters, the Panthers. The Roosters, Panthers. I think they're oh, – did they beat the Sharks? Yeah, I believe they did beat the Sharks. So, yeah, they've got, they've got the runs on the board. They've got the form coming into this game. Can we do a can we do a little prediction on these? Yeah, ones? absolutely. I think I think uh, I'm going to do a prediction here. First try scorer. I'm going the cap, Jock Brazel. Mm-hmm. Parramatta to win. Thirty-two to twenty-four. Nice. All righty. Well, I'll let you be well, the one. Uh, oh, Bertie, you okay. want in? Oh. To be honest, man, I think Richard Pinnacini might set up four tries. <laughs> but, um, just curious, um, Artie, can't um, Arthur Miller-Steven, is he, isn't he is he eligible for Jersey Flea? He, he might miss the cutoff because he was playing Cup from... He only played two games. Yeah, of got, he year. played two games, went up to Cup, got injured, and that put him out for eight weeks or thereabouts, and then came back and spent the entire time, entire time in Cup. So not Flag eligible for the finals, I believe. So could you imagine him in this... Um, this team, like, I mean, I would never want to try and pick the back line if Artie was available. Uh, that some there's a very good player missing out if that's the case, like, a very good player missing out in that back line. I just well, remember the first early, sorry, I just remember the first yeah. early part of the season, the Jersey Fleck team was like a, a rabble, and we're like, Jesus, it's just a, a placeholder team until the SG ball team finishes. And yeah, now look at it, it looks stacked. Well, here's one for you if we had all Jersey Fleck eligible players. Sean Russell, Will Benassini. Oh, mate, the Invincibles, man. <laughs> and, you know, if, if we didn't let go of him, Jake Arthur. And, yeah, and we wouldn't, and we wouldn't that, be building a shrine for that uh, camera Raiders wing. What's his name? Kane Rushton, whatever. God bless yeah. him. We wouldn't be needing his help. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Let's move on to the final game, the preview for the upcoming round. In round seven of the NRLW, Parramatta Reels taking on the Sydney Roosters, the formidable Sydney Roosters. This one kicks off 1.50 p.m. out at, oh, on Sunday, not out at Sunday. Uh, Sunday out at Central Coast Stadium. Uh, obviously, the Roosters, the home team here. Uh, Eels coming off the back of a win. Roosters, I mean, they've got some big names there. Baxter, Sergis, Kelly, Aiken, Kelleher, Boyle, Hill Moana, Davis, Koenig. Uh, absolutely loaded roster. For the Eels, though, they've got a couple of, do they have a couple of changes? Just quickly looking through here. Uh Back, no, I don't think they're actually being changed. Oh, no, Capri Parkhouse back. So let's go through the team quickly. Uh, Abby Church at fullback. you got Zoe Fay and Kimberly Hunt on the wings. Cassie Toei Hiku, the breakout superstar, should be in one center spot with the Eels' young gun, Lindsay Tui, in the other. Uh, in the halves, it's Bahuka Berryman Duff with Rachel Pearson, the captain. Front row, Talisha O'Neill, Tyler Amiatu, the bookends. Ruben Charrington, the dummy half. In the back row, Amelia Murphy, Mahalia Murphy, who was outstanding against the North Queensland Cowboys, and Jade Fanua. On the interchange, it's Capri Pacquiao, uh, Noraria Kapoor or Boss Kapoor, Ruby Jean Kennard-Ellis, 
and Madeline Jones. Extended roster, Davis Welsh, Simon Todd Hunter, Donovan and Moru. The officials, uh, Darian Ferner with the main whistle. And we've got Todd Smith in the box. I feel like we don't see Todd in the box very often. Uh, but he'll be running the uh, video controls there. And yes, this one, boys. Uh, Eels looking to obviously to build off their breakthrough win. They're taking on the City Roosters, who are sitting in first place, 5-1 and one on the season. Uh, they've got a 400 against of 122, which is by far the best. In fact, it's double the next best in the Knights. Um, so Roosters, absolutely formidable roster. Out, probably the outright favourites to win the title by some margin, if you're looking at the betting lines. But Parramatta have mixed it with plenty of good teams in recent weeks. Uh, the Raiders and the Broncos in particular. Uh, can they make it two in a row? Well, that's, you know, you look at this Roosters team and it's very much like the the men's team. It's just international, 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 origin play, international, <laughs> international. Uh, surprising how that works in a, in a competition that's been split up so much that the Roosters somehow still stay on top and nothing's ever said. Uh, shocker. Um, Money can't yeah. buy you love, but it can buy you premierships. Yeah. And meanwhile, meanwhile, our team gets literally, you know, ransacked by everyone. We literally lose so many players and we're like, you know, one of the younger teams in the comp, you know, so. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, look, the girls just, they just have to go out there and show their heart. Um, they've got to limit mistakes and they've just got to, you know, that's all they can do really when you're going up against a team like this Roosters, this Roosters team. They're just, they're another level really. In, in light of that, I mean, obviously it would be an upset wing to spring any sort of result like that. Are you looking for us to just be competitive? Is that more the more realistic goal coming into this week? Or do you think the focus should still be on trying to knock over the Roosters? Focus should always be to win. Nice. Always. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter who you're playing, when you're playing them. You just You just have to win. You have to go out there with that mentality to win. Otherwise, you've already lost if you don't. So... Um, we beat them last time we played them. That's all I'll say. That's actually a good point. Birdie, let's get into predictions, mate. How do you see this one playing out? Oh, listen. Um, you know, last week when we versed the men versus the Penrith Panthers, I literally gave us no chance. I thought we'd get flogged 50. And I feel as though with uh, NRLW, like anything can happen. It all depends on like... Um, you dominate ball, you dominate the time of possession, and the opposition will just get, you'll just run out of gas. So, you know, if we just complete our sets and just kind of like play, you know, hands off with the ball, like you know, maybe use uh, Pearson's kicking game, we could probably, um, you know, surprise an upset. I wouldn't be surprised if we do. You know, we beat them um, to get into the grand final last year, and I think they had Zahara Tamara in their half, and she's a, a gun half. So, I feel as though, um, you know, just just don't make it easy for them. You know, like just don't roll over and. Get to get to get to the end of your set and um defend well and yeah I, I feel as though we can spring an upset um and if we do it's gonna have to be on the back of um Rachel Pearson you know so yeah um so you got a first try scorer and a scoreline for me Oh, okay first try scorer well my favorite player is Zali Face I'm gonna go her um you know Kimberly uh Kimberly Hunt had all the love last week so I feel as though Zali Faye will score a hat trick big bold prediction and, um, yeah I, I just yeah and I think we'll win um I don't know what 36 24 <laughs> we probably <laughs> just hold on for the win but uh yeah it's going to be a high scoring match mm-hmm. hopefully it's you know close match but uh, yeah hopefully we get the dub nice ham uh, oh god 
Birdie big nuts there. Jesus got the Zoe Faye Hattie into the big scoreline. Yeah, it's got to – I don't know if you have to top it, but you've got to be, at least be competitive. That's the mantra here. But that's yeah. the thing. How do, you, how do you go up – how do you, how do you go up against that? That's that's incredible. <laughs> uh, I'm not <laughs> – well, what's, what's the record? What's the biggest scoreline in uh, NRLW history? Have they hit 50 yet? I don't think a team's cracked 50 yet, no. Well, Ham, you better say 50. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not. I'm not that confident just yet. Just yet. I do think we'll win. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. The girl on her second game, Lindsay Tui. She looked. She was close last weekend. She had a couple of errors. Yeah. This week, she's gonna. She's gonna charge through them after a Mahalia Murphy run. Uh, the Dooney girl's gonna set her up for a try. Uh, am I gonna win? Uh, 22 to 20. There you go. Um, I will go for the opposing center, Cassie Toihiku, for the first try. And, yeah, I, I know the Roosters will be tough to beat, but I am going to back us to get the job done and go for a 28 to 26 win. Um, real tight there, uh, high scoring, obviously. Not quite as high scoring as Birdie, though. Um, but yeah, I really like what the what they've done, and there's still mistakes in this team. They still, you know, drop the ball, get it wrong here and there. But they've got a lot of fight in them. They've got a lot of strike in them. And uh, now that Pearson's got full control of the team, and we're seeing, you know, the ability to harness some of the talent in the back line, uh, I think we can mix it with the best teams in the competition. So that's where we will sign off, boys. Obviously, got those two games to watch on the weekend, and then any Parramatta news to come. Um, I'm not sure if we're back next week. We'll have to wait and see uh, what's happening there if uh, Hamish if he's back. Uh, but until then, thanks for giving us a listen. Uh, boys, anything you want to sign off on, now is the time. So speaking of Hamish, anyone got an update on his boost cruise to Mexico? How's he going? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, uh, does he know Parramatta 1? Does he know the Jersey flag, the heartache, you know? Does he know any of it? Like, it's just... He might be uh, relegated to living in Mexico if we keep winning in the other grades. Yeah, yeah, surely we could get like a cross to him, you know, somewhere in the, where is he, in the Pacific or the... We'll leave the ham negotiate? radio out. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, there, there's a pun for you. There's a double entendre. Ooh, yep, the old ham radio. There's something to finish on. There we go. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys in the next episode whenever we get it out. Au revoir.